Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm M- 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 Michael. And I am Damian Shane. Welcome to episode 174, December to Dismember 1995. Ultimate Jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimate. Yeah, is, is, did they ever do, just Final Jeopardy. Was there ever an Ultimate Jeopardy? There's Double Jeopardy. There's Double Jeopardy. Because it was a movie, it's a thing they do on the show. Yeah, double. <laughs> no Ultimate Jeopardy. Yeah. That's like the PlayStation 2 game, Ultimate Jeopardy. <laughs> ECW does Ultimate Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. Which we'll see in this show. I'll take fuck off for a thousand, Paul. As this was the inaugural December 2 Dismember produced by ECW. I should probably say it's the only one produced by ECW as well. Oh, really? The name does come back. In like 2005 or 6 or something like that. (laughs) In the WWE version of ECW. But this one would take place on December 9th, 1995 from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with an attendance of 1,000 people. Uh Uh-oh, we're down a little bit. I mean, it's Christmas time. True. Very true. I mean, it's, a, it's early December. It everyone's is. shopping. Yeah. Well, there we go. Mm-hmm. We'll go with everyone's shopping. <laughs> but we are back in Pennsylvania. We are. Philadelphia in particular. We know what that means. That Shane stressed over what to bring us all week long? I did not. When, actually, I still have one of my Philadelphia care packages here. Bag of tricks. Loudness in the microphone. Mm-hmm. Take them out of their packaging. We're, we're back at Asher's Chocolate Company. This was part of the, the care package that I sent away for from phillysnacks.com. Thanks to our uh, our buddy Alfonso, I believe is his name. Bill? Alberto, actually. Oh, Alberto. I, I gotta look. I'm gonna feel like a jackass if I'm saying the wrong name here, but let's find out. It was Albert. Is it Albert? Yep. Yes, it is Albert Martino. Got the Asher Chocolate Company here. We had some... Little animal crackers dipped in chocolate last time. Kind of similar, but a little bit bigger this time. We've got full-on graham crackers dipped in uh, chocolate, milk chocolate to be exact. It's an irresistible and sophisticated pairing for the most distinguished taste. I'll take one of these. It's, it, it's All it's missing is uh, a marshmallow uh-huh. because it's basically two-thirds of a s'more, except for you know, chocolates on the outside. That will be good. We did those before where I put marshmallows under the broiler and just like slapped them on top of a alcoholic milkshake. Those would be just as tasty on here. This is good. I feel like it needs milk. Yes. I'm not even a big it's milk. It's very guy. much exactly like the animal, like not taste like the animal cracker that we yeah, had a like few weeks ago. The perfect chocolate to cracker ratio. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. just like the perfect amount. You this literally got a big old chocolate chip because it shaved off of. Maybe. It was the back of the one that I just ate. Oh, okay. Yeah, these are good. Albert, thank you for the Ashers. These are super tasty. But that just means this is the last of my Philly snack box. 
So I'm going to have to start looking for shit again. So I'll try to help. I'm sure we'll be in Philly <laughs> sometime down the road here, not too long in the near future. And yeah, so send us some ideas. Slide into our DMs. Send us an email, something I'm with some sure, Philly yeah. ideas. Pretty sure there will be no place we go to over the years as much as we do Philadelphia. <laughs> Probably yep. not. But something that would happen right around the same time as December to Dismember, Father of the Bride Part 2 would be released to the theater the day before. I remember this movie, I feel like it was a bigger hit than Father of the Bride. But did oh, people actually, was. Did people like it more? Or was it just like like people like, really liked the first one a lot? There was a wedding. Yes. Mm. Or there was well, kids. There was a wedding in the yeah, first one. Yeah, a wedding in the first one, and then there was a... Uh, there's more family. Baby on board in, yeah. in part two. But yeah, you had the, the reteaming of Steve Martin and Diane Keaton and Martin Short and Kimberly Williams. And she would later go on to marry Brad Pitt. Or Brad Pitt. Wow. Brad Paisley. There oh, we go. Oh, say Brad Pitt. That's Said pretty my nice. name. I think I only saw the second one. I saw the second one before I saw the first one. I never, I I've never seen the first one. I saw the second one when it came out on VHS. I was like... A kid, but I don't remember anything about it. I was working at Blockbuster when it came out on video, so I didn't see it until then. But great movie. I've watched it many, 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 many times. I'm a, a big Steve Martin fan, anyways, but I always thought he should have been nominated for an Oscar for the first one. Still, he's never been nominated for a fucking Oscar, and it doesn't make sense. So, the reason I kind of put this, like, yeah, Father of the Bride Part 2, like, it's a good movie. It's no, but... it's no Bowfinger. Well, that's kind of where I was going. Oh, okay. He gives us a... Like... <laughs> I love both. We can talk Steve Martin and Martin Short. Mm-hmm. Like, what are some of your favorite Steve Martin movies? The Jerk, Man with Two Brains, All of Me. I mean, shit, anything Steve Martin in the, the 80s. Saturday Night, Best of DVDs. <laughs> or Saturday Night Live, I should yeah. say. It's a Bowfinger and the Jerk for me. There's not... Prob- I can't think of any other... Ones that I Little Shop of Horrors. Oh yeah, I definitely love Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, it's it's a tough one because I mean Steve Martin's been in a lot of great stuff. My Blue Heaven. I was like, My Blue Heaven was probably a favorite of mine when I grew up. Mixed Nuts. Mixed Nuts. Uh, I can't believe you dropped that one. (laughs) That movie's wild. I I think possibly the first time I ever. I can't believe that I've seen Mixed Nuts, but I I can't believe you actually pulled that one out. I ever saw Steve Martin was Little Shop of Horrors. Yep. And he was in both the original and, and the remake. Oh, yeah. But I saw him in the remake first, obviously. Yeah. The Rick Moranis one. Yep. The like the, Doesn't the original have, like, Jack Nicholson in it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I've never seen that one. Yep, I mean, you can't go wrong with Steve Martin. Three Amigos. Oh, well, that's, that's, I think my favorite one <laughs> is Three Amigos. You get the best of, uh, you know, three, three of the best guys at the time. All in the same place. Yep. I mean, Martin Short also loved him in, in most everything from, you know, going back to SCTV. Inner Space was a childhood oh favorite. Oh gosh, Inner Space. That, <laughs> that was my childhood growing up, I mm-hmm. think. I'm a big fan of um, Joe Dante, and Inner Space is like the one movie is, of his I haven't seen. Really? Yeah. Uh, but I've seen everything else he's done. I think I have it on most of them. I've either got it on DVD or B8 or uh, Blu-ray. I'll have to yeah. bring it over because yeah, yeah. You, you should watch some Inner Space. It's good. So talking about the two of them also have 
any of you watched Only Murders in the Building. I've seen the first season. I have not got to start the second season yet. But... I haven't watched it. I have it on my list of things to watch because like, I haven't heard it. It's a, a Hulu original. But it's, it's, like a, it's like a whodunit, basically, yeah. but with Steve Martin and yeah. Martin Short. Oh, okay. And they're, who's, who's the young lady? Uh, Selena Gomez. Yeah. Mm. Like, it was the most random pairing of people. Yeah. Like, it's like a, 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 yeah. them, a, 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 a faded Disney star and, the, and two old like comedians. How to get away with murder set to a podcast. Because um, they all live in the same building. They're all addicted to the same podcast. And then they decide to start their own after a mysterious murder happens in their building. Hmm. Pretty weird that Martin Short and Steve Martin are doing a television show about a podcast. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Yep. <laughs> it's bizarre. I'm not saying that it's a bad show, because I've never seen it, but that is a weird concept. Yep. I, I highly recommend it, because they're they are all I great. think they're... Their Broadway show, or I don't know, Broadway show, but they did a traveling show. Mm-hmm. I think it's on HBO Max, probably, or Netflix. It's on one of them. One of them, yeah. One of the bigger shows. They did a touring show. It was it was really funny. Mm-hmm. If you like those two guys, was it like I mean, a oh hello kind of thing? Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's them, yeah, and so they're telling jokes about themselves, but but it's a stage show. It's not like stand up, exactly. Well. Enough about Martin Short and Steve Martin. Let's talk some ECW. Woo! And it goes straight to our first match. The bad crew of Dog and Rose with the godfather of professional wrestling, Damian Kane and Lady Alexandria versus the Dudley brothers of Bubba Ray Dudley, Dances with Dudley, with Sign Guy Dudley, Chubby Dudley, and Big Dick Dudley. Oh, we got a Big Dick and a Chubby, huh? Mm, yeah, we actually have music <laughs> on this show, too. Because we found this through alternate means. That's it true. It is not on the network. It is not on the network. So we get uh, some Bad to the Bone and some Highway to Hell and uh, about four people that I know nothing about. Yes. <laughs> to start yeah. this show. So, <laughs> what I have... Basically, I don't know ascertained. anything ascertained is... <laughs> Damian Kane actually helped Heyman create the Polly Dangerously character in a smaller promotion before he Oh so, so they're, he kinda they're kinda, he kinda got Heyman into the business a little bit. Oh well thanks Damian. Lady Alexandria is actually Damian Kane's wife. Other than that, know nothing else about these four new people that we've just met. Except for they got a bit of a biker gimmick. A little bit. Well, they're bad to the bone. Or yeah. They're on a highway to hell. I'm not for sure which one is which, but... Uh, either pretty interchangeable as far as vibe goes. So the crowd is chanting, Buh, 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 buh. And, what's your name? What's your name? They love him. As Bubba Ray takes the mic. And he starts with, My name is Buh, Buh, Buh. When Damian Kane steals the mic away to call him a stuttering retard. Before asking him if there's anything else he can do other than stutter. And Bubba Ray takes the mic back and says, Oh, fuck you. And the Dudley brothers take the attack to the bad crew. Both hitting belly-to-belly suplexes. When Dances With would take over with an insiguri to Rose 
followed by a drop kick and a second rope double axe handle. Bubba Ray tags in to continue the punishment with a double team clothesline on Rose. Danza's with comes back in only to get clotheslined himself. Rose then starts to fire up with right hands for a two count, brings Dog in for a double team back elbow and a heart attack. Bubba Ray runs in to break the momentum, hitting a drop kick on Dog, sending him out to the floor before backdropping Rose, allowing Dances with to hit several elbow drops. Rose goes low to hit the TPs, before tagging in Dog to choke Dances with multiple times, taunting Bubba Ray to give the bag crew a distraction, allowing them to deliver a double team clothesline. Rose then tosses Dances with out to the floor, where Kane gets involved with right hands, that sends Dudley right into Lady Alexandria, so, it wasn't all bad for Dances With. <laughs> little song song. Dog then sends Dances With over the guardrail into the crowd when Bubba Ray shows up with chair in hand, but Kane is able to steal it away. Bubba Ray then goes to help his brother, only for Dog to be there. So he grabs another chair to whack across the bag crewman's back, followed by a clothesline to Rose. Bubba Ray and Rose fight over another chair at ringside, when the bag crew hits Dudley over the head. Back in the ring, Rose then takes over the punishment on Dances With, but he gets distracted by the crowd, allowing Dances With to make a tag. Bubba Ray comes in, just standing behind Rose when he taps him on the shoulder, and puts his hand out to shake Rose's hand, only to cheap shot and Bubba bomb him for the pin and the win. Can I get a thank God? Post-match. <laughs> the crowd wants Bubba Ray to dance. But Big Dick won't let him. Oh my gosh. I mean, Dick so crazy. Dick Big Dick. This guy is so over so fast. He hasn't mm-hmm. done a damn thing except for stutter. I mean, he's talked well and uh, or not. his gimmick is that he can talk well, but the joke is that he uh, stutters. I mean, at this point, he's more over with, him, with me than he, ever, he will be. <laughs> ever will be. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, yeah. But I, mean, I, like... I didn't watch WWF whenever Team 3D was a huge thing. Oh, yeah. So, like. They were the Dudley boys. They weren't Team 3D. Whatever. The 3D was, like, the move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, like, his, I did. I his, chari- his charisma, like, shit. his like, charisma is, like. Palpable. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I totally get it. It is funny, though. It's like, oh, but it's also weird. It's like. You wouldn't expect this guy to dance. And now he's like a, a real-life wannabe biker. Yeah, I mean, just a giant dickhead. But here he seems like a fun hang. You get a dude in there that's got some energy that is fun on the mic. And, you know, you want to get any crowd excited, you yell the word fuck at some point into it. And yeah. that's all it takes. Either the F word or a clothesline. Mm-hmm. It works here. Joey Styles and sends us to a video where we see Bill Alfonso and Taz in the back with comments about House Party 96, which we'll cover in about six or seven weeks. Oh, when you said House Party 96 in my head, I was I heard like House Party 6. I was like, they made six of those? They may yeah, have. <laughs> they made at least like three or four. Yeah. I don't know if Kid and Play were on all of them, but they were, they were at least in a couple. The first few. So House Party 96 is going to be the big farewell for Public Enemy. But Fonzie starts screaming that no one knows who you are outside of Philly. 
Probably he will be crying at house party. How about you, Taz? And the human suplex machine chimes in with, I'll save you two douchebags the hassle. <laughs> See ya. Take care. Get the hell out. <laughs> and that leads us right to our second match. Taz with Bill Alfonso versus El Puerto Requino. Mm-hmm. Taz has the towel over his head as he comes out, guys. Yeah. One step. One more step. <laughs> closer. Yes. Yes. And Fonzie takes the mic in the ring to yell at the crowd before the ring announcements. But once they're done, Alfonso is yelling at Requano when he slaps him. The human suplex machine then walks over to shove El Puerto Requano, starts destroying him with clotheslines and an overhead belly-to-belly suplex. Taz puts on a crossface to wear down Requano before delivering a snapmare to allow Fonzie to yell some more at him. The human suplex machine then tosses Requano out to the floor, where Alfonso continues to belittle him. The crowd's chanting for Sabu as Taz drags Requano back into the ring, where a reversed Irish whip sends the human suplex machine to the ropes, but he ducks El Puerto Requano, grabbing him for an overhead Tazplex. The human suplex machine looks over at Fonzie, who says, It's time. It's Taz mission time! <laughs> For the submission and the win. Thanks for coming, Porto. Post-match, Alfonso grabs the mic again, challenging anyone in ECW. Before Taz tells the crowd that Sabu doesn't care about you. That he's in Japan wrestling right now. I wonder if this is the last time that we see El Puerto Requeño. I don't know. Uh, stick around. And we'll find out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll see if he survives for another suplex. Maybe he'll Eddie. So we go to our third match. The Eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus with Jason versus the Pitbulls of number one and number two with Francine. And this match is joined in progress as the Pitbulls deliver a powerbomb to Cronus but doesn't make a cover as Jason jumps on the apron to distract them. The Pitbulls walk over and hit a double headbutt, followed by Francine attacking him out on the floor, but Jason is able to reverse to choke her. Number one then rolls out to the floor to break it up, while the Eliminators go for a double clothesline on number two, who ducks and attempts a double clothesline of his own, only for the Eliminators to duck it and deliver total elimination for the pin. And the win. So post-match, Cronus is holding Francine with Jason directing traffic, sending Saturn out to grab a chair. But 911 hits the ring, ripping the chair away, grabbing the Eliminators by the throat, and hitting a double choke slam. So it's never said on by Joey, yeah. who's really our only way to get any information. But this match was one of three on the card, and we don't see all three either, where whoever would win this match would help determine who had the advantage in our main event. Oh, okay. And this is like starts in progress. I didn't even have like it down as a match because it's just <laughs> so quick, and it's just like, okay. Because, yeah, it was very awkward. Yes. And we'll get to... How awkward it is, I guess, uh, towards the end of the show. <laughs> when we figure out exactly what that main event is. 
So then we go to our fourth match. Mikey Whipwreck versus Steve Austin versus the Sandman with Woman in a three-way dance for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. The champion comes out first. Foreshadowing. And Austin is sporting a short-shaved hair look. Yeah, uh, every time we see him, it's like one full step closer. Yeah, I wonder if he just had a, a recent meeting in Connecticut or something, so he oh, had yeah. to get all they were like, hey, cleaned up before you're he gonna go. look younger if you shave your hair. <laughs> really, you're yeah, you can't just have the the skirted eggshell. Yeah, yeah. When, we we had a guy like that when he popped up on the screen. It was like, whoa! So we've got the ringmaster look going on now. Exciting stuff. So Sandman hasn't made his way to the ring yet when Mikey and Austin begin with lockups into corners. They both slap each other before Steve asks to shake hands, which Whipwreck does before the two men go into some mat wrestling with headlocks and arm wrenches. Austin starts dominating with right hands and chokes before telegraphing a back body drop, so Mikey goes for a sunset flip with a handful of tights, but Steve realizes it and stomps on Whipwreck to escape because that's how he won the last time they they met. Yeah, you got to tease it. Stomp him out. All of a sudden, Sandman's music hits and out he comes. We get to hear it this time. We do. (laughs) I got excited. And he comes out as Austin continues to lay it in on Mikey. Sandman spits a mouthful of beer at Steve, followed by Whipwreck flying in off the top rope with a missile dropkick before clotheslining Austin out to the floor. And Austin thinks to himself, I'm going to have to remember to do that sometime. <laughs> hey, people seem to really enjoy this. Yeah. Spitting a beer, got a good reaction. Steve drags Mikey out and sends him into a guardrail, before pile-driving him onto the concrete. Yeesh. Austin's back in the ring when Sandman tosses his tag-team belt into the ring, only for Steve to grab it and just throw it right onto the concrete. You can actually hear, like, a crunch. (laughs) Austin's just asking for Sandman to get into the ring, but he turns his attention back towards Whipwreck, who's doing something to him out on the floor, before re-entering the ring and doing some Hulk posing. Sandman finally enters the squared circle. The song, still playing. (laughs) Where he and Steve brawl it out in the middle of the ring, until they punch each other down for a double KO. Sandman's up first when Whipwreck flies in with a top rope Frank and Mikey to send Sandman out to the floor. Whipwreck goes up top again, coming off with another Frank and Mikey, this time to Austin, only to be caught and powerbombed down for a two count. Steve has an Irish whip reversed where Sandman pulls the ropes down, sending Austin crashing out to the floor. Sandman and Steve are exchanging chops when Whipwreck leaps over the top rope with a somersault plancha to take everyone down to the concrete. It's a pretty gnarly one. Back in the ring, Mikey's laying it in with punches and back elbows to both men before delivering a double low blow, followed by a springboard crossbody attempt that everybody avoids. <laughs> Austin and Sam Man poke each other's eyes, leaving all three men staggered. But Whipwreck lands a crossbody on Sam Man. For a near fall. Steve's working over Mikey again, delivers a pile driver and a rolling knee drop before hitting a stun gun 
for the pin. And Mikey Whipwreck is eliminated from the match. I scream at my TV forgetting that it's a three-way elimination match going, what the fuck, Steve Austin's ECW champ? (laughs) I had had that thought for a second, too. I was like, wait, what? I did not see that coming. But we will have a new champion because Mikey's been eliminated. And it's down to two. The, The man with the beer and the man who will be more famous for beer. Sandman drags Austin out to the floor, slamming his head into a guardrail, tries for a bulldog, only to be shoved off into the rail as well. Steve grabs a chair and uses it across the head of Sandman, but is then back body dropped over into the crowd. A short arm clotheslined by Sandman before throwing the timekeeper's table onto Austin, who's still in the crowd. So it gets a couple crowd members as well. <laughs> yeah. Chairs are one thing. You kind of have a little more control of those. Sandman starts to set the table up when Steve shoves him, causing Sandman and the table to fall over the guardrail. Another chair shot by Austin and a stun gun attempt across the rail, only for Sandman to block it with his wrist. Or that's at least what Joey says. Yeah, it didn't look like a block. Uh, he actually breaks his wrist. Oh. Uh-oh. Note to self, don't yeah. block stuff with my wrist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, keep your, uh, keep your hands from uh, underneath you. Steve is hit with a chair, followed by a body slam onto the concrete. Sandman then goes to set the table up, leaning it on the guardrail, but Austin is up to shove him right through it. Steve delivers several more chair shots before choking Sandman with a cable and sending him into the guardrail. Back in the ring, Austin hits a body guillotine for a two-count. Front suplex and a knee drop for grabbing Sandman's beer away from woman, bringing it into the ring to spit it into Sandman's face. Mm-hmm. But this seems to have woken up Sandman. Uh-oh. Attacking Steve from behind, laying it in with right hands, and he goes for a suplex, only for Austin to counter it into a power slam. But Sandman's feet catch the ref in the head, knocking him out. Ref bump. Steve then pulls some brass knuckles from his trunks, knocking Sandman out, dragging the ref over to make the count. But Sandman's foot is on the ropes. Austin's arguing with the ref when Woman tosses the brass knucks to Sandman, who he first falls into Austin, who then falls into the ref, but then he knocks out Austin with a punch for the pin and And the the win. Even though Steve had a boot on the ropes. Yeah, damn it. I mean, you know. But that still makes Sandman... And new! Cue the Metallica. Post-match, Austin rolls out of the ring to argue and shove the ref. Damn right. Explaining he had his boot on the ropes as Sandman and woman celebrate in the ring with a cigarette and a beer. And this would be the last time (laughs) we would see Steve... In ECW, as yeah. he would debut up north the very next week. Man, he uh, kept himself uh, clean though. He not only he laid down with his foot foot on the ropes, and also after getting hit in the head with brass knuckles. So it's like, all right, and <laughs> he he really made sure that that that, that uh, he pinned their champion, and he laid down all on his way out. Yeah, and, and lost it. like quote-unquote, illegitimately, as their foot was on the rope. Yep. And there was 
foul play, even though it was just desserts because they were his brass knuckles. Yep. But that takes us to our fifth match. Public Enemy of Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge versus the Heavenly Bodies of Dr. Tom Pritchard and Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. These Heavenly Bodies just get around, don't they? Mm-hmm. So the last time we saw Del Rey was at Royal Rumble 95, all the way back in episode 141. And Bubba Ray Dudley hits the ring to dance with Public Enemy. When the bodies hit the ring with multiple chair shots across the back of Bubba Ray, which leads to Joey saying there must be some dissension in Raven's Nest, as the Dudleys and the Heavenly Bodies are both part of that crew. I think it's because Bubba Ray's over and the rest of them aren't. Yep. Uh, yeah. Heavenly Bodies, uh, great workers. Sometimes but, a man's just got to dance. But yeah, uh, Tom Pritchard ain't out here fucking, you know, busting a fucking spin or whatever. No, he's no cabbage. hair. Yeah, no cabbage patches. Fluffing the hair, making sure that he's got his, his arm drag is better than everyone else's. Doing his Jimmy Garvin. Public Enemy jumps back in the ring to clear the bodies and checks on Bubba Ray, who stutters through his name before challenging the bodies himself. Dudley pokes the eyes of Pritchard before attempting an atomic drop on Gigolo, who blocks, only to then receive a right hand from Rocco to clear the ring again. For a dance party! <laughs> Bubba Ray starts dancing again as we go to black. But when we return, the bodies hit the ring for everybody to brawl. Let the bodies hit the ring. <laughs> I know, I almost did it. <laughs> they all head out to the floor with where several different weapons are used, including frying pans, keyboards, tables, ring posts, before Rocco misses a drive-by from the apron, sending him through the timekeeper's table. Drive-bys all the way back then, eh? Chairs and broken table pieces are used by each team before they all make their way into the crowd to brawl some more. Grunge is busted open, but he drinks someone's beer before hitting Del Rey with a pie to the face. Blueberry? Sure. Cherry? I don't know. It's Philadelphia. What kind of... What, what? <laughs> what cream pies? cheese? Philadelphia yeah, cream cheese? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the holiday season. There was pies aplenty. Very true. Pritchard and Rock are back in the ring where Dr. Tom delivers a gut-wrench tiger bomb for a two-count. I mean, we'd love to see it. Telegraphs a back-body drop only for Rocco to counter into a swinging neckbreaker for a near fall as Gigolo breaks up the pin. Johnny joins everybody in the ring to body-slam Pritchard and land a second-rope pump splash for a two-count, while Del Rey and Rocco brawl out down the aisleway. Grunge hits a sunset flip on Dr. Tom, but the camera switches back to the brawling outside the ring to see Gigolo and Rock headed towards the eagle's nest. Pritchard gets a two count, laying it in on Johnny, while Del Rey sets Rocco on a table, climbing up to the balcony, coming off with an elbow drop. Gigolo then goes for a pile driver, but Rock reverses into a back body drop onto the eagle's nest before they begin to brawl their way back to the ring. Gotta have that eagle's nest spot. In the ring, Grunge is being choked and punched when Delray makes it into the ring and heads up top for a moonsault, only for Rocco to pull on the ropes, causing Gigolo to have a couple less clients. <laughs> Rock then hits a clothesline on Dr. Tom, allowing Johnny to roll over into a jackknife for the pin and, and the win. win. 
So this was another one of those three matches that would determine who had the advantage in the main event. Only the thing is, is when this match was on the actual card mm-hmm. during the show, that had already been determined as a match we didn't see was Raven versus Tommy Dreamer. Raven had won, so his team was already up 2 nothing before this match even happened. Huh. So it didn't matter who won. No. Raven's team was going to have the advantage in our sixth match. All right, yeah. I mean, uh, I, my feelings on that is whatever. Kind of like I felt about that last match. I am pro bodies, but this is not the people they should be working with. Raven, the heavenly bodies of Dr. Tom Pritchard and Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey, the eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus, and Stevie Richards with Beulah McGillicuddy and Jason, versus Tommy Dreamer. Check. Public Enemy of Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge, and the Pitbulls of number one and number two with Francine, in an Ultimate Jeopardy steel cage match. Jeebus. Bum, bum, bum. And since we watched this through other means, the first show, which they probably didn't tell us all these things that we need to know because this match is not part of the original show, I don't think. At least what was aired. It was just broken up into the file that I... Was able to find it was just broken up into, to keep the size of the file. Down. Well, but it's a this the second file doesn't have a commentary and it's got the WWF logo on it, uh, so it's like so it may, yeah it may not have been the same tape but yeah it was it's from the same show yeah. but I just mean like the like it seems like that when ECW originally released this they didn't bother to I put don't the think they actually ever it. released it oh really yeah that that's the reason why it's not on the network they were like you know what we might scrap this one. <laughs> All right, because it was confusing. It was like I remember texting Matt and being like, "I think I figured out what's going on in this match," but just a heads up. So well, yeah, I'm just glad to know that it's called an Ultimate Jeopardy Steel Cage match. Because as I was watching it, all I could think is, "Okay, so is this a December to Dismember match?" <laughs> I wasn't for sure what the fuck it was called. So ECW had done these Ultimate Jeopardy matches before. Usually, it had all of the champions in the match, and whoever won could win. Any belt they Any want. belt that they pin, that kind of thing. That's usually what they do with these Ultimate Jeopardy. In this one, well, basically, to explain Ultimate Jeopardy still cage, it's basically a War Games match except thing. Except for you flip a coin in between each person who could come entering. So, I was like, but wait, they had badges earlier to determine who had the advantage. And I was like, but then they were flipping a coin between each one to determine who came in. So I was like, so the advantage must have been that the extra person. Because Raven's team has six people, while Tommy's team only has five. So that's that's where the advantage is. Just so we're all on the same page here. Trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shank. Yeah. Something like that. And so, also, without Joey's commentary, we didn't get this part of the story. There are stipulations on each person, and that's where the ultimate jeopardy comes in. Okay. Whoever pinned Raven would get the services of Beulah for a week. If Dreamer was pinned, he would be forced to shave his head. If Public Enemy lost, they would be forced to wrestle each other. If the Pitbulls lost, they would be forced to disband. No. And whoever pinned them would get the services of Francine for a week. Jeez. If the Eliminators lost, 
they would be forced to leave ECW, and Jason would have his head shaved. If Stevie Richards lost, he would be locked in the cage for five minutes with the opposing team. Good grief. And if the Heavenly (laughs) Bodies lost, Mm -hmm. then all of Raven's, Eliminator's, and Stevie's stipulations would be enforced. Okay. That's this is a lot to remember. Yeah, this is sweatier than a whore in church. <laughs> I understand. I'm glad someone I'm glad someone got it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow. Some of this I did figure out, but definitely didn't have all of that information. No, right definitely now. not. So Raven and Grunge look to be our first two competitors. But Tommy comes out with his head bandaged as Raven had knocked him out with a beer bottle in their match earlier in the night. That's how Raven won. Okay. Telling Johnny that he wanted Raven. I'm like, I was like, you already got him. You lost, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. Maybe try next Try next week. Try different strategy here. But Grunge lets Dreamer into the ring. But Raven has climbed over the cage to the floor. So Tommy's yelling at him when Saturn would attack from behind to start the match. The two men are running the ropes when Perry would try for a Boston Crab, only for Dreamer to power out so Saturn would clothesline Tommy instead. Perry with a running back elbow, a springboard heel kick, but has an Irish whip reversed, so he leaps up and over a charging Dreamer, only for Tommy to fire back with right hands. The two fight over a waist lock until Saturn has control for an overhead belly-to-belly suplex, followed by a back suplex that Dreamer counters to land on top. And the crowd is uh, not into this. Not yet. I mean, it's Perry Saturn. Uh, yeah, they're chanting boring, probably... but there's like a cage. I mean, to be honest, they're, they're not wrong. wrong but... They may think it's Cronus in there for all we know. <laughs> I get a mix up sometimes too, <laughs> uh, just because the, you know, the camera work's not great. So you guys, so I wasn't the only other person that was having trouble. Huh. No, like from behind, it's hard. Uh, I think like, I got halfway through straight. my notes and then Cronus came out and then I was like, Oh, wait, that was Perry Saturn yeah, in the yeah. match. A lot of times the only reason I can tell it's Perry Saturn is because uh, he does something uh, like cool. Im- impressive or cool, yeah. whereas Cronus uh, uh, doesn't ever do either of those things. Yeah, as I mean, ha- having Saturn with hair already throws me off anyways, but the fact that they look that similar. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he has a bunch of shit in his face yet either. He couldn't shave his head already so they could look exactly like the Pitbulls, just dressed differently. <laughs> Perry's running the ropes and he tries for a crossbody only for Tommy to catch him and deliver a fallaway slam but Saturn then catches Dreamer with a low blow a gut wrench tiger bomb and a leg drop Perry keeps up the attack with a knee drop a uranagi and a hurakarana he tries for a second one only for Tommy to catch and drop Saturn with a power bomb the two men exchange attempts at hip tosses before a failed rocker dropper from Perry which turns into a pile driver from Dreamer, followed by a DDT. Saturn rakes the eyes before hitting a spinning heel kick, but he then telegraphs a back body drop, which allows Tommy to go south of the border with a knee drop and looks to hit another pile driver when Raven enters the ring with a chair shot to the back of Dreamer. And it's been about five minutes since the match started, so I guess that's what we'll go with. <laughs> Time to flip that coin. Yep. Raven goes for a cover, but the ref won't count it. So, makes me think the War Games reference even more pliable. 
Raven keeps using a chair to choke before bulldogging Tommy into it multiple times, followed by Saturn joining Raven for a double team DDT. Perry then climbs to the top of the cage, coming off with a splash to Dreamer. He goes up again, but Tommy moves this time as the announcer is making a 10-second countdown. Raven throws Dreamer into the cage, only for Tommy to fire right back to send Raven and Saturn into the cage, followed by a double DDT to them both. Pitbull number two joins the fray as Raven is tossing Dreamer into the cage. And the Pitbull grabs Perry and Raven, tossing them into the cage several times, before delivering a double noggin knocker, a clothesline, and a vertical suplex. Number two is just throwing people around as Tommy grabs the chair, hitting a neck snap on Saturn. When Delph Ray joins, going right after number two, sending him into the cage before hitting a super kick and a DDT. He makes a cover, but once again, the ref is just like, you can't do that. Not so fast there. Raven uses the chair on Dreamer before a snapmare and a neck snap on him as well. While Perry and D- Gigolo double team super kick number two. Cronus joins the action with a bag of salt. Sure, why not? Bag of sand. It was uh, bring something that, that em- embodies what you are to people. Yeah, what are what are you on the inside? <laughs> Del Rey hits a DDT on Tommy. And the Eliminators hit a chair-assisted doomsday device on number two before trying to do the same to Dreamer. But Tommy is so tired, they can't lift him up. So instead, hit a side-slam, flying knee-drop combo. Dr. Tom comes in, and it's five on two. Wailing away on Dreamer in number two with body slams, top-of-the-cage elbow drops, chokes, and double-team back body drops. Pitbull number one comes running down and getting a piece of everyone with clotheslines, double noggin knockers, and tosses into the cage. Number two and Tommy fire up to help as well. So everybody is brawling until Saturn DDT's number one. And it's time for Johnny Grunge with a Singapore cane. Bum, bum, bum. The Eliminators meet Grunge at the door, but he lays everyone out with cane shots, breaking it into two. Pritchard grabs one of the broken pieces and starts using it on Dreamer and number two until Johnny knocks them away with more cane shots. Rocker Rock then comes down to the ring, but right behind him is Stevie Richards, who attacks before Flyboy can get into the cage. Rocco retaliates to throw Stevie into a guardrail before climbing to the top of the cage, coming off with a double axe handle to Gigolo. Richards also climbs into the ring, so now it's six on five as everybody is brawling, but the ref begins to count pin attempts as they happen. Tommy drags Cronus out to the floor where he throws him towards a guardrail, only for him to flip over into the crowd, where Dreamer joins him to brawl out there, until Saturn joins them to help his teammate with a chair shot. Stevie and Raven are thrown into the cage back inside the ring, before more people are exiting the cage to brawl around ringside. Number one delivers a suplex to Raven for a two count, while Rocco and Gigolo fight atop the ropes inside the cage. Stevie and number two are back in the cage for Richards to hit a pile driver when we see Beulah with some handcuffs. Sounds like my kind of fun night, guys. (laughs) 
Rocco looks like he's about to dive off the top of the cage into the crowd for some reason, when Del Rey yanks him down to the mat from behind. I was kind of like, yep. I don't know if he was <laughs> expecting that spot. Yeah, uh, you know, he can take it. Grunge and Saturn are fighting near a table that's set up, so maybe that's what Rocco was about to jump towards. Richard Rocco the... know what he was going to do before the match started? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Richards with a power bomb on Dreamer in the middle of the ring, while Perry leaps off of a guardrail onto a table where Grunge was, but he's moved in time, sending Saturn through the table. Stevie gets a near fall as Johnny and Perry continue to brawl around ringside before rejoining all of the brawling inside the ring. Stevie with a DDT on Tommy. Saturn's using a cane on people who all now look to be handcuffed to the ropes. So Dreamer is surrounded by the entire other team, allowing Richards to come off the top of the cage with a crossbody that ends up taking everybody down. Tommy begins to fire up where he DDTs Raven and then Stevie, making a cover on Richards for the pin and the win. Thank you, Tommy. (laughs) So Stevie has to spend five minutes in the ring with the opposing team. Five minutes long. The ref gets Raven, the Heavenly Bodies, and the Eliminators out of the ring, leaving Richards all alone. But everyone other than Dreamer is still handcuffed. Raven takes the mic, telling Tommy that he's going to give him five minutes alone with Stevie. But he made sure that Richards was alone with Dreamer as well. Tommy's using a cheese grater on Stevie's head. Hits a DDT. When Raven would jump back into the ring to nail Dreamer, allowing Richards to take advantage, beating on everyone. Raven would roll a chair into the ring for Stevie to use as well. And then someone, and I wrote Donnie Allen. Might as well. (laughs) He all of a sudden would run out and try to get into the cage, only for Jason to stop him and hit a not-so-rubber-band slam across the guardrail. More guys are coming out from the back, but Raven and his crew keep laying them out in the aisleway. When the camera cuts back to the cage, it looks like Francine's found a key and tossed it in, so everyone is now unlocked from their handcuffs, and everyone is beating on Richards. All of Raven's nest starts making their way back into the cage, and the brawl fest reensues. The Eliminators hit total elimination on Grunge before they all stand tall, posing as we fade to black. And if you ever wanted to think which tag team is this most likely to be their last tag team match ever, the Heavenly Bodies. Last tag team match ever? Ever. Uh, they were probably like, fuck this, if this is what we have to do, if this is what we ha- what wrestling is, I guess I'm out. Because <laughs> Dr. Tom would head up north to become a body donna. Mm, yep. Good for him. It's a better place for him. Totally forgot he became a body donna, too. He's a very good wrestler, and this zip is not the place for something him. like that. So, gentlemen. Zip. Is it Zip? I think so. Yeah, Zip. Yep. <laughs> That's really bad. So, gentlemen, I ask you. What are your overall thoughts of December to Dismember 1995? I'll go first on this one. You go ahead, buddy. <laughs> My thoughts can simply be described as... 
yeah, it it started off kind of fun and interesting, and then it got a little wild and extreme, and then it just kind of fully went off the rails in the ultimate Jeopardy match because it was too blurry and confusing and trying to keep up with what was going on, not really knowing what was going on because they didn't really tell us what was going on, and then, yeah, it just... You guys remember when you had, uh, like cable or like uh, like a satellite or whatever like in the early 2000s and when you could like the movie but they would show like the five minute preview <laughs> and then it would like just like turn off or like you know go to static or whatever uh that's kind of what this show did where it's like all right what, what do you got for me and then all of a sudden my mind just turned into like you know channel 99 on cable and it's just like shh <laughs> all the way up until Kronos is covered in blood and somebody won. Good for him for getting the full mask. That was it, a dirty. That was a dirty blade job. It just I got lost along the way. It's one of the I most mean, nothing. It dismembered my brain. No <laughs> shit. No shit. Literally, I, we're we're all on the same page. It, it's a decent show, but it would have been better if we hadn't lost Joey for the last match. I think we lose a lot of the intricacies, um, such as the stipulations, and when they get handcuffed, like, that was a big thing. Like, all of a sudden, they're just, like, all handcuffed. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's one of those... To fully enjoy that last match. You need comedy. So, it hurts the show, because literally that last match is 40 minutes of this show. And it's hard to care when you really don't know what's happening. Yeah. Like, they don't... We yeah. don't have any idea until, like, I kind of figured it out while I was watching it, but... Not completely, and then of course you know Matt did the research. Otherwise, we would just be making like trying to figure it out on Mike. Yeah, uh, we have to try to figure out which one was Cronus. <laughs> He's on covered blood. Very, I yeah, feels like a very uh, outside of the Steve Austin thing. A very like okay, that was an ECW show, mm -hmm. and the Austin thing's more important because it's like Austin. Before he goes to uh, the big leagues and becomes one of the most Biggest famous wrestlers ever. of all time, yeah, and like, yeah, like one of the top five most famous wrestlers of all time, yeah, like Hogan, Flair, Austin, Austin. The Rock, like yeah. those are he's, at least like the four names that like your mom probably, probably knows. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I'd, I'd say he's safely in the top three. Depending on who you ask. Yeah, just as far as like, just fame goes. Yep. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So, what are some of the best moments of this show? I liked hearing um, music. That was fun. <laughs> the the Austin. I mean, that might be best moment slash most surprising. Just not realizing that he had. In the ECW champion in a match. Nope. I mean, it popped you for a moment. Yeah, yeah, it, me too. It, it totally threw me because yeah, I, I, I like, was under the or not under the understanding that it was a uh, an elimination match. That I just thought it was a yeah three way dance. ECW likes to do those three way dance elimination matches <laughs> instead of winner takes all. Bubba Ray. Yeah. All of his moments are very fun. Yeah, he's not worn out yet. Uh, he's granted he hasn't been here very long, but he's still very fun and uh, charming at the moment. Even if he has to deal with the godfather of professional wrestling, Damian King. 
and that horrible act. Yeah, that's feels like I know that this is ECW and it is uh, very much like like the top of like indie wrestling even at its time, but the the bad crew or whatever they're called feel like some outlaw half-baked bullshit <laughs> yeah taz it, had the towel over his head yep taz is great uh anytime he says anything on the microphone it's uh intense and oh yeah his, hates him his his line about public enemy yeah perfect yeah douchebag and fucking uh he's he knows the how much the crowd loves sabu so he's just getting heat on on himself by fucking you know telling him that he's a fucking you know sell out he doesn't give a shit about you doing everything right which is always nice to see how about most disappointing that the last match was 40 minutes yeah i mean lots of the last match was in my my most disappointing just because it was too too hard to follow not knowing everything that was going on in it yeah Yeah. i think commentary would have helped but i this still is not really necessarily my kind of thing anyway, so it's like... Definitely not. So it's like, oh, like, I don't think it would have made... I would not have turned it into, like, something incredible, but it would have been, I'll say, tolerable, because it was just, yeah. like I said, white noise after a point for me. Where it's like, I mean, oh, the okay. be- probably the best part of the entire match is when it's just Dreamer and Perry Saturn in there. Like, they actually were doing some fun stuff. yeah. They were they were wrestling, and then yeah. of course it turns into a brawl fest. Yeah, at one that. point in my notes, it just says everybody hits everybody else with garbage. Mm-hmm. That's it's, literally what it was. Yeah, <laughs> and I like it when maybe a couple guys hit each other with garbage. But once oh, yeah. you get with, like, I think when once you, you get over, guys in there. yeah, I feel like even when you have four people doing it, it gets messy. Uh, it works best when it's two guys hitting each other with garbage. And see, that's it. Feels like it actually means something. Where I mean, you've got. 11 people in the ring, plus you've got Beulah, Beulah and, and Jason, and Francine. and Francine, and yeah, there's just... And they're going in and out of the cage. Don't forget and, Donnie Allen, question mark, shows up at some point. I mean, the, a bunch of the people from <laughs> yeah, the I comes running down, like, yeah. I'm like, I know Tommy Dreamer's, like, the dude, but, yeah. like... And then, you know, the, sti- the Stevie stipulation that doesn't really get the payoff because everybody's handcuffed to the ring so you don't get your five minutes of stevie getting a beat down instead they flip it on him and yeah it just plus i don't want to see too, here, me, I like too convoluted yes yeah. ultimately convoluted even yeah <laughs> also most disappointing moment where was the blue meanie guys oh yeah we built him up like stevie uh, richards uh, is here uh-huh. blue meanie should be here i'm just saying I know. I you brought it up, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, he did." I'm being very sarcastic on that. Like, we didn't need another person in this match. How about best performer of the night? I'm gonna throw some Bubba out there. Yeah, I was like, Bubba, I think is probably for me. Yeah, I mean, because he's the most charming out of everybody. Bubba, Austin, and Taz all kind of have strong moments that are memorable. I mean, that's that's kind of the the highlight of when I look back on the show is seeing Bubba dancing. Literally, if, Honestly, you, like if, three, if, three if you're able to character. find this, I think if you're, I think we can all agree with this. If you're able to find this and it's split in the two files, just watch the first file. Mm-hmm. And I would even argue, just watch the, just watch the stuff to see Austin. If you're curious, like, I mean, it's fun to see Taz. And Bubba. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's the, 
like historically the most important thing yeah. about the show is because it's like oh the last thing he does before he becomes the ringmaster but you see shades of shades stone of the man cold. we all know and love stone cold stone cold anything surprising on this show bill, Fal- bill alfonso didn't have his whistle yet he did not have his whistle yet we got the towel we did get the towel like no, i said we we're, we're, we're one step closer mm. we almost got the whole package god i love hate the whistle so much I know you do. I, it's yeah, so great. It's so good. It's so... I just can't imagine, like, a better way to get people to fucking want to rip your head off. Did than you just blow a whistle for fucking 30 minutes straight. Did we have Paul on the show at all? You know what? I don't think... Dangerously? Yeah. No? Okay. <laughs> I just mentioned him at the very yeah. beginning because Damien King got him into wrestling. I mean, that's... that's no Todd. You can see him maybe a little too much of Todd recently. There was a nice sign in the crowd that said, uh, Mikey washes Todd's car. You know, making a joke about how, like, that's why he, like, had the belt and stuff, like, because... Who's Todd? Todd. Gordon. Todd Gordon. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, sorry. Like, sorry. I, I was Pronouns, blanking. pal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Surprising that this is the last time the Heavenly Bodies team together. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised, too. I did not know that. That seems, uh, like, a, a shame, but, you know. I'm trying to remember. Does old Jimmy Del Rey... Jimmy Del Rey does end up in WCW. Okay. Uh, as basically in the hardcore division, I think at one point. So like, so they he doesn't ever become anything that we. Yeah, and I don't. Even, I don't even remember what he's called in WCW. Yeah, that, that tells you. Yeah, in the future, Doctor Tom becomes one of the like most prominent trainers in like, exactly. modern wrestling history. Yeah. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. Ricky Choshu had won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at the beginning of 1992 when one of the new generation of wrestlers would take the step forward to make a challenge at the G1 Climax Special 1992 on August 16th. The Great Muda, born 1962, was an amateur wrestler and had a black belt in judo before being trained in the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dojo. He would debut in 1984 against his future Three Musketeer, Masahiro Chono. Muda would make excursions to Florida, Puerto Rico, and Texas before making his way to WCW, where he would feud with Lex Luger, Ric Flair, and Sting, and capturing the NWA World Television Championship. Once he returned to Japan in 1990, Muda would immediately team with Chono to win the IWGP Tag Team Championships holding the title for six months. Muda would defeat Sting at a jointly promoted Starcade at Tokyo Dome before making the finals in the first G1 Climax tournament later in 1991. At the start of 92, Muda would headline the first January 4th Tokyo Dome show, this time teaming with Sting to defeat the Steiner brothers. Muda would continue his rise as a singles competitor making it to the semifinals of the G1 Climax 92, losing to eventual winner and friend Masahiro Chono. But just days later, he would defeat Choshu in that match to become the 13th IWGP heavyweight champion. The Great Muda is one of three wrestlers to win the three major championships of Purasau, and in total has held 31 championships in his career. For his accomplishments, Muda is a Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer.
The Great Muda would hold the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for over a year when one of his fellow musketeers would make a challenge. Bum, bum, bum. Is Muda yeah. still the champion of um, no, Noah? No. Okay. I know it was a real kind of out of nowhere and moderately controversial thing like a year or so ago. He had already lost it by the time they did the New Japan mm. crossover show. Okay, I was just curious because that was now he's like, oh, guess who's the champion? And now he's like, on a farewell tour. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like the guy that can barely walk. Like, I mean, we all love him, but... <laughs> so when are we going to get Muda in the WWE Hall of Fame? Mm. I mean, he never really wrestled. For that don't matter. They, they bought WCW. He wrestled there. He definitely belongs in a WCW because, I mean, he's... Goldberg so, can be in it. Yeah. Muda deserves he's to be in it super like four times. Yeah, he's super important to that early WCW, like, JCP blurry area. Yeah. And, you know, some of the better WCW, like, I guess that stuff was good. We sure do miss it now. Give me Muda. <laughs> yeah, he was, a, he was crazy. Crazy impressive at the time. Yep. Next week, Super J Cup second stage. It's the second one. Woo! That's right. We're very excited because, you know, we're going to get wrestling tournaments, one of my favorite things. And uh, can, junior heavyweights. Some fresh faces. Japanese junior heavyweights. Oh, uh, you know we're all fans of those things. Here. I mean, the first one gave us quite a few shortlist matches. Mm-hmm. I've we'll, got. Uh, we'll see what the second one does for I've got, us. Got uh, high hopes. High apple pie in the sky hopes. Absolutely. All right. Music from this week's show is Thunder Kiss '65. Five five. Yeah. By White Zombie, and Tommy Dreamer won our main event, so we play his music. Even Flow by Pearl Jam. Wow. Fun to hear it on the show. Yay. You like, rise like butterflies. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, we're going to Japan next, and you know I'm gonna need some Philly ideas coming up here soon. So I got Japan. Give me some Philly. Yeah, yeah. Japan's never gonna be hard. We don't go there enough for that to be a problem. But you can do that on our email at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Later.